Well, this is going to be a rather busy week for me and uh, this program. There's going to be a few things different than you're used to hearing. But all in all, I think you're going to learn a lot before the week is over. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, this is going to be a very different week, kind of a busy week for yours truly. I have surgery tomorrow, Tuesday, the 10th. Many of you know that. And we don't anticipate the recovery time taking very long. This is going to be pretty much the same kind of surgery I had back in November. Inconvenient, made me tired, but I was able to, you know, keep going day by day. But for some reason, I'm thinking for this week, I want to do things a little bit differently. Number one, I'm going to take some time away this week. We've been working on getting programs prepared for Tuesday all the way through Friday. And it's taken some time to line up some friends uh, to help out. Jim Calhoun helping out tomorrow and Wednesday. And a good friend of the program, Dr. William Wong, will be with me on, on Thursday. And I ran across something that I had recorded a number of years ago that I'm going to share on Friday. And so this week, ironically, we're kind of talking about some of the issues that are important to you and I and this world. And and I feel particularly for today and then again for Friday, I want to delve into some things that I don't normally do, especially on the Monday program. I've got something I'm going to share in just a little bit. There are stories that I see every day, and and the world ignores them, uh, or they're content with them. Google is not exactly one of the greatest friends that we have in this world, but they have become so entrenched in our day-to-day life, in our maps, in our in the Android operating system on telephones, and you know, not that iPhone is any better in terms of spying. But these engineers at Google, with all the massive money that they have created and bought in for themselves, and how deeply entrenched they are into your life. I want you to think, if you use Google, and I have used it for years, how they became so much a part of everything we do. This little company that started up in a garage, literally a garage, with an idea of a search engine, and ways of steering commerce. In other words, if they could become a popular search engine, they could sell rankings, and that was their original business model. And back, you know, in 1990, whatever it was, their their motto was, do no harm. They are now one of the most harmful corporations on the face of the planet. And like so many other tech companies on the West Coast of the United States with offices worldwide, many of their original, oh, ideas of of being good stewards and great companies have been thrown to the wayside as they have been literally taken over. A single ideology, a single mindset that really has satanic undertones. Oh, Bob, what are you talking about, satanic undertones? I'm going to share probably next week some audio from a a video 
with the director of engineering at Google. And, and it's it's fascinating. This is just an open discussion. It, this is at a seminar, and I'm, I've got the video. And, and I can see where some people who listen to this program and others pick up on bits and pieces and draw some conclusions that are a little bit off the wall, though part of what you may believe is true. And, and this is a case, and, and I don't want to get into it today. Um, too much, but I do want to share this just so you understand the mindset of the tech companies that have now become literally agents of, let's say, the dark side, for lack of a better way to put it. There are many of these technical engineers that imagine this godless world where man and machine are merged. Now, that there's no doubt about that, you know. Naval Yari, you know, Harari at the World Economic Forum and many others there believe in this marriage of humanness and machine. We know that. That's not even up for, for discussion. And, and here's this guy who really believes that the day is going to come where you don't even need to carry your smartphone because you will be that smartphone. Literally. And it's not going to be done clandestinely. They're not going to be putting little pieces that assemble inside of you. No, they're coming right out and saying, you'll want it. You you will come in to get this device. They don't even have to sneak it on you because I don't think the technology is quite there yet. Though, the ability to connect our thought process to a device that is properly planted or implanted is a reality. And those that think that Elon Musk is your savior, he's talking about that kind of stuff too. The guy's name is Ray Kurzweil. And he's, like I say, he is the director of engineering at Google. And and he's basically saying that our phones will be inside of our bodies. We won't even need to hold it in our hands anymore. We will be the phone, which means we will be chipped, which makes it really easy for a digital electronic currency down the road. And it's not going to be a matter of being forced or put into fear to get them. We have a world where the church has been a total and dismal failure for decades. Just terrible. And many of the woke churches, and if you're a member of one, I, I'm I'm not going to apologize. If you have a social justice warrior pastor in a rainbow stole, that is not a pastor. That is basically a demon from hell. There is no life in them. And we have all these churches worrying about Black Lives Matters and equal outcomes and whatever nonsense, but they never talk about repentance and the salvation found in Jesus Christ. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Oh, no, no, no. We don't talk about that. We are looking where technology will eventually do exactly what some of these people have been saying for years. Their goal is if you want eternal life, you don't need God. We are the gods. Heaven is the cloud that we are creating for the computer world. And we are going to marry your body into the mechanical computer world. And then you too can live forever. 
Yuval Noah Harari is just one of those that really believe in this firmly. And they are pushing this. They're pushing it hard. And you'd be surprised how many of the conservative leaders you think are conservative that attend places like the World Economic Forum. You'd be surprised in how many agree with much of what they want to do. You know, they, they terrified us into submission or tried to with the coronavirus and then monkeypox. And who knows what they're going to have in 24 and 25. It's coming. Mark my words. Remember, there's another election here in the United States. And so when people like Ray Kurzweil say that the devices, the devices are going to be in our bodies and willingly, look, look at how many young people are so into their phones, they can't even communicate with their friends unless it's a text, unless it's connected through the cloud. And their knowledge comes from that cloud, their information, their map, everything about what they need is there. And we're going to find what's good, what's going to happen is the vast majority. Look, look at how many people in the United States were willing to take the vaccine and also look at the number of people that were willing to take the booster shots, at least for a while. With the carrot and stick approach, many of these people are going to follow through and and think this is a great idea. Imagine not having to worry at the grocery store line if you can remember your card or if the card's going to work or if you have enough cash, you will know in your mind because you're connected how much you have and the system will scan you. And this is not some far-fetched conspiracy theory. I can play Ray Kurzweil's audio next week, which I will play bits and pieces and others as they explain how this incredible life-saving, by the way, life-changing and life-improving technology works. Imagine having nothing on you to be robbed by a thief. They had nothing to get. And if we stay in our 15-minute zones, you know, you don't worry about cars and, and climate change and everything else that they try to throw at us. You need to understand, this is a war on multiple fronts. It's not just today the virus or tomorrow digital currency or racial equality or reparations this is a constant battle it is constant and ever (laughs) noise that will just not stop and you're being beaten up literally three-dimensionally without mercy and that's where i think we've had some failure among conservatives Let's be honest. If we in the United States and even in Canada and anywhere else where people claim to be conservatives, you'd be surprised how many of these conservatives are not as conservative as they claim to be. My own congressman, Brian Mast, is a disappointment. He's he's supported some things that I find so egregious that I I can't support him. And, And this, I would say, is probably true with the majority of the so-called conservative Republican Party. They're not near as conservative as they claim to be. And the longer they stay in Washington, D.C., the more they become a member of the deep state inner circle and they play the game 
of basically socialist and socialist light. Forget Democrat and Republican. Democrats, the big difference with them is they are so, they hate life except their own. I mean, abortion is fine. People dying in wars, if it makes money, is fine. Warmongers that have been on both sides of the aisle selling weaponry. This is what what Eisenhower warned about, the, the Liz Cheney types. She's a warmonger. And anybody that gets in the way of the money that goes to people that make weapons, she's going to fight tooth and nail. She's a reprobate. She's a liar and she's filth. And so is her dad. Kevin McCarthy has spoken multiple times at the World Economic Forum. And I've listened to some of what he's had to say. Oh, yeah, back in 2018, you know, he's kind of praising the administration, you know, which was Trump at the time. But but still looking for, quote, the better world that the WEF is proposing. So don't think that everybody is conservative as you think that they are. Oh, Bob, but my congressman. No, you better double check. They know what to tell you every two years during campaign season. And that season sometimes is rather short if there's nobody running against them in the primary. And so they're they're out of sight, out of mind. I mean, how many of you sit around and watch everything the Congress and the Senate does day in and day out? And then be careful with some of the stuff you read out there, too. One of the hardest things I have to deal with is trying to get to the real news. Even among so-called conservative publications, they're nonsensical. They're they're full of lies. They're just full of, you know, it's entertainment. It's not even real. Yet people support it. And people back it. You know, I, I look at what is truth. So we, we know the direction of the world. The Bible is clear where the world is going. We know that. And too many Christians know so little. So many conservative Christians, their churches got shut down for the pandemic. And what did they do? They stayed home. How many have gone back? Some. How many have stayed away forever? Many. How many churches closed? Too many. Unless they're an apostate church that has the rainbow stole, uh, you know, same-sex marriage nonsense going on, equality, everything but Jesus Christ is all they talk about inside that building, except the fake Jesus that they've created. You know, I remember being at a church a number of years ago, I spent some time there. And I was an interim pastor, and I was never so glad to leave any place in my life. These people were a, were just, they were congregational to the point that, that Jesus is supposed to listen and obey their, their authority and vote. I mean, that's these people thought that they had the authority to vote on anything, including doctrine, what the Bible says. If they don't like it, they don't, they don't quote it. And I was there for just a short season. And I will say that half the people that were on the church board were reprobate non-Christians that have no love of Jesus in them. And if they did not repent, they will suffer an eternity separated from God. But they have their beautiful little building. And they have their bank account. And they have their pride. You know, I can remember... I can remember leaving that place and and being so glad and, and so happy. 
but I realize even more so today in, in the years that have passed since then, how churches are shrinking, how the pandemic impacted, and how we have no plan for the future. And later this week, I'll be talking a lot about the future of the church. And now in just a moment, I'm going to share part of a message that I preached a number of years ago, right after that time, where I'm kind of thinking about what I've just experienced. This is, this is long before the pandemic. And, and, and I listened to what I had to say then, and I could already see how God had his hand on me, preparing me for the time that we're about to enter now. I never would have thought it then, but boy, I'm seeing it now. I want to remind you that this is a radio program. I would love to see it grow. And if you can help us financially, always remember, you can go to our website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. And if you can help us financially during the days and weeks ahead, you could mail a check if you're if the Lord so moves you, made payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address is Post Office Box 510. That's P.O. Box 510. And the city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee is 24319. That's 24319. Once again, real quick, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. Let me remind you, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Oh, by the way, you can support us from the website, too, using Give, Send, Go at truth2ponder.com. Now, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And the church, I thought five years ago, pre-pandemic, was ill-prepared to deal with the world coming ahead. They blindly went along with whatever they've been doing and they're comfortable. No, we don't do it that way. We don't need to do that. Why would we do that? You're going to have to do certain things. The pandemic proved it. These people at Google and in the one world government, one world religion crowd, they firmly believe in it. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you part of this message that I, I gave. It's got to be about five, six years ago. Listen to what I had to say then and see how that measures up to the world in which we live in now. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we take a few moments to study and inwardly take in your word. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. Amen. There's a Lutheran hymn, very well known, that is sung during the time of the Transfiguration, if you remember that particular celebration of the church. And the words are, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here. Thy glory fills this place. For Lori and I, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here. We're glad to be back with you this Sunday. Today, I'm gonna kind of jump all over the road just a little bit. My mind has been, since Steve and I talked and he invited me 
to share with you this Sunday. I've been, I've been trying to think, what can I share today that helps us all in this work we call the church? It is not easy in this day and age. I was thinking last night, and this is something I'll be talking about next week on the radio show that I do. What modern convenience or convenience says would you give up to have a better life? And I was thinking about in my lifetime that I'm that first generation raised with television and now we have a generation that was raised with cable and now a generation that has always known the smartphone. Which I get a kick out of, you know, they're listening to music and I'm thinking that my 1962 Japanese transistor radio sounds much better than those phones do. We have we've taken a giant step backward in audio. After spending 70 years trying to perfect it, we just eh, went off the cliff. But we live in a different age, and I was thinking about this the other day. A lot of what we have is good, and I was telling this to my wife at breakfast. If I could roll things back about 15 years on the internet, we'd be better off. Because we have been taken over by essentially just a couple of dominating forces, Twitter, Facebook, Google. That's 89% of all the traffic that's non-porn. That's the other 35 or 40% of all traffic. This wonderful platform we've been given to many that are younger has become an obsession. And I tried to remember, was TV ever an obsession in my life? No. Was listening to the radio an obsession in my life. No, it was a part of what I did, but I still engaged with real people, real friends in a real world. And today we are raising a generation that is focusing inwardly into a device, into a non-real existence, and when they have to face reality, there's anger and confusion disillusionment and you know, this, the inability to function. This is the world the church is engaged with today. I tried to think 30, 40 years ago what it was like to plant a church. We had several advantages 30 and 40 years ago. People had come through life at least with a respect of people of faith. That respect is long gone today. The irony is the church demands us to be in a real world. And this is something that has been weighing heavily on my mind in the last several months. You know, where I was preaching at up in Georgia is a beautiful building. And we had a packed house for Christmas Eve. 
But do they really want to hear the fullness of the gospel or do they want to hear happy talk? I mean, most people in that valley are well off financially. Most of them are down here in Florida this time of the year. And there is a resistance to preaching anything that might cause you to have to look at Jesus and re-examine your life in his light and in his presence. And boy, you can get some real resistance when you go down that road. It is amazing in my time there how many visitors were encouraged by the message and wanted to come back and how many that had been with this place for a long time resisted that message and wanted it to change. In your lessons for next Sunday, it's funny, I happened to stumble across that in looking at where the lessons were and I, and this, your, your lessons next week are gonna be coming out of uh, 1 Corinthians, part of chapter nine. Today we were on chapter eight and we're talking about food sacrifice to idols. And the sad part is you're going to miss part of what St. Paul has to say because you're going to be jumping in, I think, around verse 19 or whatever it is. I can't remember. Yeah, it is verse 19. There's a part of next week's epistle lesson that goes just ahead of that epistle and right after it that I think, ironically, is where I'd like the message to center today. St. Paul goes, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not my works in the Lord? If I not be an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are in the Lord. And then he goes on to discuss with them what it means to be called to be a servant of God's word. And how a person that well, preaches the gospel, lives by the gospel. That there is an inherent responsibility and job function for those that are called to preach his word. And St. Paul has, by this time, begun to see all the blowback of preaching the gospel. I mean, he's been shipwrecked in his life, he's been beaten, he's been arrested, he's been thrown in jail, eventually he's taken to Rome where he dies for his faith. And I thought about that a few weeks ago up in Georgia, that when you get to this one verse, and we're gonna to jump to chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, and it hit me really on Christmas Eve, the service there, when you realize you're in a place that is trying to be all things to all people, and it's impossible to do. Chapter 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we all are partakers of that one bread. And it dawned on me that where I'm at, they're not partakers of that one bread. They choose to pretend it's something that it is not. It becomes very clear that when you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're not making people happy, you are going to be rejected in what you do. Many churches 
today, and I'm not, I, trust me, I'm not trying to be critical here or, or single any group out, but a lot of the modern church philosophy is we have the better music, the better light show, the better seating, the better video, the better entertainment to compel you to come in. And, and maybe, maybe there's nothing wrong with that to attract the outside in. But when you leave them there feeding them nothing but milk week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, when do they get to the spiritual meat? All too often they don't. And this is what concerns me. You know, you have these church jumpers. In other words, well, I heard they have a better praise band over down the road, so we're going to boogie on down there this weekend. And, and we don't have to dress up for church there. We can come in our bathing suits, our flip-flops, and everything else. You know, I'm trying to remember who said it. We're going to God's house. If any of us were invited to the White House, would we show up on our flip-flops and our T-shirts? Yet God's house, hey, God's my buddy. You know, it's me and my Jesus. Notice not Jesus and me. We put ourselves first. And this is what was increasingly becoming a problem where I am at. And the angst that I've had to deal with up there in the last several weeks. I could grow a church, but then I would have it undermined every step of the way. And I would be growing it for what purpose? For the cause of Christ or the cause of a community? It becomes a difficult thing. Now, we own a beautiful condominium that's just about completed up there, and you better believe we're going to enjoy it for a while this summer and next summer. It's a great investment, too. And what I want to do over the next several years of my life, I can't believe I'm actually able to stand today, but both Steve and I are in great shape, and I hurt my back, and then it hurt my leg. And yeah, then he had a bad tooth, and he had to leave. Oh, I can empathize. Been there. And then yesterday, because of the back, I took a fall, and now I'm hurting even worse. So I'm just, I'm, bad. it happens. It happens. It's called life. But what I've committed myself to do, and, you know, I thought about, do I want to fight for this up there? Do I want to stick around? Do I want to leave? I mean, there's been mixed emotions back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It goes back to what St. Paul says, you know, I, as St. Paul, and any other pastor, I don't care what rank, what, whatever, we are called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without compromise. And the second you are asked to compromise, then you are no longer preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're preaching a social gospel. And from that social gospel, it erodes, it erodes, it erodes, and then it's, you know, becomes the all dogs go to heaven kind of theology. I can't do that. And I look at this world around us with their noses in the internet on a device, not hearing about Jesus Christ, hearing about the things of the world. I look at an unstable world around us, and granted, the world has been unstable for thousands of years. People talk about how bad times are today. Well, talk to the folks in Europe during the, the plague. That was pretty bad times. You think the flu is bad? The plague, a lot worse. Half the population dead. 
or more. World War I, World War II. We've had times in our history since the time of Jesus that things have been pretty bad. And the scary part is what is to come will make all that pale by comparison. We're not there yet. We're on our way. And that's why to me, the urgency of using every tool available to me to share the good news of Jesus Christ is my primary concern. We need to pause here because we do have a break coming up on the program that we must take uh, for some of the radio stations. And so we'll do that right now. And then we're going to get back to this message. Now I'm listening along with you and I'm thinking, what was I thinking know five six years ago when i gave this message i didn't even know about a pandemic did you we just knew what the bible said and we saw the the change of the culture in the world but here in the united states of course you know we had at that point in time life looked pretty good the economy was doing decently the mega churches were growing and the the woke churches, the churches of all the social justice nonsense. They were just getting older with old hippies and dying away. And the world went on. People were more worried about their their future retirement. They were more worried about their job or a bigger house. They, They didn't care about a whole lot of church stuff. Most people didn't. There are always a few though. There's always the remnant of the church. And as I'm winding up the segment you just heard, my, my thought process then that God was laying on my heart, use all the tools that are out there. And I can remember within my own denominational framework, oh, we don't need that. We just need to plant a church or two and get a pastor or two. And, you know, we, we just need to do it the way we've always been doing it with the building. The church didn't always have a building. They, they didn't always have a place to meet. And meeting as a church could get you killed. And I believe this world we're heading to, the Bible warns that they will hate you for my name's sake. They'll think killing you is doing a good thing and an an honorable service. Is the church ready for such a time as that? I don't think that it is. And I am dedicating myself a good portion of this program. Look, there's a building I could use not far from this our house as soon as I'm able I'm going to head there and we're going to make it a hub so we can stay connected when nobody wants to come to a building like a church a church building but they need the fellowship pray about that I'll talk about that more maybe later on the program today definitely before the end of the week if you believe in the mission and ministry of truth to ponder and where God is taking it Would you consider a financial gift made payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address is Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowee, Virginia. Zip code is 24319. That's 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Garden of Rising coming up. 
Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. The fall of man happened in a garden, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Life. Man was surrounded by life in a garden of life, and yet he died, he fell, he died. It happened in a garden. On the first day of the week, Miriam of Magdala, or Mary Magdalene, ran to the tomb, found it empty, the resurrection. That's the beginning of our faith, our redemption, our new birth, everything. But what kind of tomb was it? Not just any tomb, it was a garden tomb. A tomb inside a garden. It all happened in a garden. Why? Because the fall of man happened in a garden. So the rising of man has to happen in a garden. In a garden of life, man died. But in a garden of death, man came alive. God is awesome. And that means we can never live our life in the natural because that's all the first garden, the, 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 all its glamour of this life, all the freshness, all the, all the newness, whatever it's got, its beauty, it's all fading away. It's the first garden. It's all the garden of Eden. Only death comes from it. But the true life, true life comes from the second garden. This garden has no earthly beauty. It's, it's the garden tomb, the garden of Messiah where everything old comes to an end, where this first life is finished, where, where everything new comes alive. Don't go after what you see with your eyes or feel with your flesh. There's no life there. Seek the things of Messiah, the life that's deeper than life, the love that's deeper than love, come to the second garden, the garden tomb. Because in the first garden of life, we died and we can only die. But in the garden of death, the tomb, we rise. Want more? Ask for the gardener on CD. Now imagine being plugged into a special line let you in on future events, news behind the news, biblical prophecy updates on Israel, what you need to know as an end time believer, plus teaching strength for every day of your week and the incredible mystery of the temple doors on CD, all free. How do you get all these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now I invite you to join me in reaching the unreached peoples of the world the most incredible way from Moscow to Madagascar, even Jerusalem. It's amazing. You will be blessed. Imagine blanketing the earth with gospel. You can through Shoei Radio. It's the farthest way you can ever impact the world with the gospel. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, come alive, my friend. Come alive in the empty tomb. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Sar Chaim. The Prince, the Master of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of Truth to Ponder for this Monday. As I've mentioned before, this is a pretty busy week. Tomorrow, I have surgery scheduled, then I have some guest host or two, and then a special program for Friday. I've decided, and I hope you're not too upset, to get the programs for this week prepared in advance so I could just do what I had to do to take care of my health and actually have for the first time a few days off from the program and be ready next week to come back and really get to the business at hand. Now, I've been wrestling for quite a while with what God is laying on my heart. I've been feeling that the program, it's its viable, but its direction needs to be modified, a course correction. We can talk about certain things all day long, but if there is no solution, 
then all I'm doing is just, you know, giving you the equivalent of clickbait and, you know, listen to my program and I and, and maybe buy some stuff. I don't sell anything. All I bring to you is God's truth, the world events in the light of God's word, and we need to do more. Anybody can sit around and, and look at the the stories, like I mentioned at the beginning of the program, and some of the evil players we have in this world. Oh, that's the easy part. I can give you bad news all day long, get your blood pressure up, and then ask you to send money, and I'll tell you more bad news. But I need to tell you that there is some good news, and there are solutions, and the solutions are not the ballot box. Though our vote should reflect our faith, the real solutions rely in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I plan on spending a lot more time in the future putting all of that together. I'll share more later this week and a whole lot more next week. But for now, just keep me in your prayers. Now, I'm going to bring you back to the message, the other half of it, and I'm going to pick up on the idea that, you know, we think we have hard times now. This world has seen more than its share of hard times, and to think that we are exclusive is wrong. And so I want to take you back about five, six years ago to that message. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. People talk about how bad times are today. Well, talk to the folks in Europe during the, the plague. That was pretty bad times. You think the flu is bad? The plague, a lot worse. Half the population dead or more. World War I, World War II. We've had times in our history since the time of Jesus that things have been pretty bad. And the scary part is what is to come will make all that pale by comparison. We're not there yet. We're on our way. And that's why, to me, the urgency of using every tool available to me to share the good news of Jesus Christ is my primary concern, my primary calling and mission. And in debating, yeah, the paycheck up there was very nice, and I'm more than happy to say goodbye to it. Don't need it because I have a trust in Jesus Christ. And I also recognize what St. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, even so, the Lord ordained they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. He'll provide the need. Lori and I can tell you, he's, already, he's always provided ours in ways we oftentimes cannot comprehend. And we accept that. And so what's, we've come to the conclusion to be more faithful with all the gifts that God has given us. You know, being in Florida in the summertime is great, and we'll be down here a little bit in the summertime, but in terms of helping churches grow, not a great place to be. In the summertime, part of the spring, and maybe a little bit of the fall, planning a church in Georgia, eastern Tennessee, South Carolina, western North Carolina, I'd rather do that or help somebody that's trying to get one started because it's not an easy task. I've done it. I know. You need that help. You need that backup. And God provides. We live in a world that is changing so rapidly 
Think about this, and I'm not going to prolong this sermon too much, but I want to just think, think about this. I'll use me as a, at, at my age, in my, almost my mid-60s now. I've always known television, though be it black and white. Granted, I came out of a big city like New York, so I had seven channels to choose from, <laughs> not two or three. Though by the time we moved upstate New York, we had five. Three of them looked like snow. Of course, we had lots of snow, so we never knew the difference. Our first color TV set in our home was not until 1971. We were happy with black and white. I had a stereo system that I loved and adored, and I collected the pieces over the years. This was the high tech of my day. But you know something? We had heat and air. We had communications. We had entertainment. We had telephones, though we couldn't take them with us wherever we went, which I think is a blessing unto itself. The more I realize it day by day, this balance. Technology doubles every so many years. I'm trying to remember if it's five years or 10 now. Our ability, of, so it's, it's like the old double a penny routine. If you remember that, if you start over 30 days, have a penny on day one, you got a penny. Day two, you got two cents. Day three, you got four cents and eight cents and 16 cents. You know, it takes you to like the middle of the month, you finally get to a buck. <laughs> By the end of the month, you're over a million dollars. And that's where we are in our technology today as we keep doubling. I look at the speed of computers and phones and everything else just in the last 10 years. Look in the last 30 years. Look in the last not even 40 years. You know, the technology that put man on the moon in 1969, if you have a $70 smartphone that you bought at Walmart, it has more computing power than what put that thing onto the moon and sent it back home. And we think nothing about that. Where's our technology going to be in two or three or four years from now? It's going to keep growing. We have 5G coming, super high speed. I'm concerned about that because of the frequencies that it operates on and the power near our, our, our minds. We're entering a new age, a new time. We either succumb to this time or we use this time. The Bible says, while we have time, let us do good under the household of faith. While we have time, we are to share this message because the day will come when we do not have that time. It's an increasingly hostile environment. That's something I knew would come. I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. I'd always read about it. What does the Bible say? The day will come that they, they, will, they will condemn you. They'll think that killing you is doing society a service, those that believe. When you have people that, that become addicted to a social media, just a handful of places that are, hostile, that are hostile to the gospel to begin with, all three, hostile to begin with, they're the ones that are grabbing the minds of our 
younger generation under the age of 35. If you look at today's teenager, there's always been nothing but some kind of computer, device, or video game available. They don't know life any differently. And I'm afraid that half of today's youth will never experience real life to live a virtual life until they try to get out on their own and they'll have difficulty functioning in life. And what you'll have is they'll be working miserably, then come home and jump back into their virtual world and never be able to keep relationships or raise a family because they will not have the tools, the understanding, or the humanness to do it. We have a mission. In this place, we have a mission in any church place today. Not to compromise our faith. We have a sacramental faith in this church. Something else that really started to get under my, my skin. When somebody said, well, those things like communion, I know are important to you, but they're not important to most people around here. Really? Well, they take too much time. I heard that one. If you do it, can you find a way to do it faster? Yeah, yeah I have a, you can do it faster on your own. And I'm glad that the Lord has, you know, gave me the opportunity because it reminded me of a place that I had lived, worked, and traveled in for decades. And in spite of all the negative, there's a lot of positive that came out of this. Reconnecting with people, places, groups, cities, communities, radio stations, and other things that I, I've known for years that I can do my little part and I'll watch things happen around me. That's my calling, to help plant and build churches. I plan on doing that down here. And when I'm not doing that, I'll be visiting my family and friends here because this place was a really huge blessing that you'll never understand as long as you live for Lori and I to come into this place at the time that God brought us together. And so you're a part of our journey. And anything that I can do, and I'm, I was telling Steve when we sat down a few days ago, what can I do? Because I'm taking life from a different perspective than it was before I left here. Before I left here, I was consumed with a, quote, job I really didn't need, though it had ministry parts to it. Everything's put, you know, this, this little journey has put everything we do in focus. You know, jettisoning the things that are not important, keeping the things that I'm called to do, and creating the time to do the things that I should be doing. Being here today is one of them. Being here to be back in a sacramental environment is something that I have missed now for about six months. It's one thing for me to do the communion service, but to recognize that others out there are just frankly not interested or not participating is something else. If I learn one lesson up there, the visitors that would come to that place and knew nothing about its history, that were looking for whatever reason the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. I think Christmas Eve was a good example. They had a record attendance they hadn't seen in almost 20 years. 
and I worked hard to get that group in there. And so the church is full of all these outsiders. I mean, we're talking 137 people, probably 110 had nothing to do with that chapel. They were the new ones. They were the ones that we got in there. And they're the ones that received the message. The ones from there was like, eh, we could have made this quicker. And then you realize that what St. Paul talks about, and well, Jesus, I, remind, I was reminded of this. And you know this story well, Steve, where Jesus had the 70 and he sent them out two by two, 35 pairs of people to go out there to proclaim the good news. And he said, when you get to a town and if somebody receives that message and invites you in, stay with them and let God's peace be with them and with you and take the time to share. If they reject the message, kick the dust off and keep on trucking. Don't hang around. Don't waste your time with those that do not want to receive that have already made it clear that they don't care. And I think that's the calling and the message for the church today. At my age, I don't have 30 years to keep doing this like I did 25 years ago. Then I'll be like some other, well, then I'll be like Harold Camping up there at about age 100 trying to tell you when the end of the world's going to be, and I'm not going to do that. But I'm just telling you that we, I've got so many years left that I can do this, and I want to do more in these years than I did in the first 25 years of my ministry. And the thing is, I have a wife that's on board with that, who's been seeing that, who's been encouraging that, who's been wondering about that. And even when we got up to this place, it's, it was the right thing to do, but not for what we thought. Everything as far as the building, the friendships, the connections, all that's been great. I knew before I kept rejecting that church up there five times, you know, last year saying no, 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 that, you know, I, I had a feeling that I would, might not be happy there in the long run. But the Lord said, do it anyway. What I've done is I've laid it on the table. They got a decision to make. And their day of having to deal with that decision is coming sooner, not later. There's another church that started in that valley that are mostly people that had left that church long before I got there because of the same problem. They're a very faithful group down below and they're growing as the other one sits in their beautiful building without the presence. In other words, the lampstand, the lampstand moved from the top of the hill down to the lodge below. And I finally detected that one day, that the Spirit of God left this place and followed the faithful. Yeah, I see some opportunity throughout that region in this, in this time. In fact, I see opportunity all over the world. I see opportunity for this congregation as well. God doesn't call a congregation of faithful people like this group for no purpose. He doesn't. And I believe the time is coming very rapidly, very rapidly, where God can use this group of people. The time is coming. You know, we, we don't understand God's timing. 
I've seen groups. I remember one church years and years ago that was founded in the 1970s, never got to what they should be to the 1990s. They hung on by a thread for 20 years until the time was right. And then God empowered them and they became a great witness in their community. Had they done it before, they may have failed. Had they done it later, they would have been too late. God's always on time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share this witness with this congregation, these, these brothers and sisters in Christ that have encouraged us over these past almost two years. Father, I pray, I pray that the words that I've shared today at random, these random thoughts, may encourage this congregation to begin to find where all this preparation has taken them. Lord, we come together as families to grow and become as a family. And Lord, I believe the time for this church is now. Father, bring your healing power to all those that need healing. Bring encouragement to those that are discouraged. Bring peace to those that are restless. And may your name be glorified in this place. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. For me, it's hard to believe that I shared that message from the heart over five years ago. And I listened to what I had to say then, not knowing this is what God laid on my heart to give to that congregation. Now, whether that congregation or any other wants to receive it, they can't say they weren't told. And I'm already realizing five years ago, the word pandemic, coronavirus, and all that were not in our vocabulary, lockdowns, shutdowns, closures, face masking, social distancing, none of that was a part of who we were. And I would say the average churchgoer, whether a Bible-believing church or not, didn't see this one coming. I think many of us understand that there are to be hard days down the road. The Bible is clear. But I think we sometimes get so comfortable in our day-to-day, -day, we forget. And that's why this radio program's mission is going to be to empower, not just to inform. And I'll talk about that later this week. God is laying a wonderful opportunity before me. Pray for me for the surgery tomorrow. I really appreciate it. And Jim Calhoun will be here tomorrow and Wednesday. He and I have already prepared those programs, as well as one for Thursday with Dr. William Wong. Friday's program is being prepared uh, before surgery, and I think you're going to be encouraged. If you believe in our ministry, you can support us from our website, truth2ponder.com or make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio Post Office Box 510 Chilhowee C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E Chilhowee, Virginia Zip Code 24319 That's 24319 This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman To find out more visit our website Truth the number 2 and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.